0: Hey everyone, this is Chris and Sandy Bent with the Chris and Sandy Show. We get up close and personal with some amazing guests throughout the entertainment industry. And today, like it's in every episode, we have a great one for you. Who do we have?
1: We have Jimmy Olander, lead guitarist from Diamond Rio. You may remember some of their top hits, including Meet in the Middle, Walking Away. How Your Love Makes Me Feel, Love A Little Stronger, Beautiful Mess, and One More Day.
0: And we're going to talk to him about what he's All got that. going on now, yes. what what his past has been, mm-hmm. and everything in between. So welcome to the show. Yes, Hey, welcome. thanks.
2: Good to see you guys.
0: We're excited to have you on. So, Thank you. Um, one thing that I like to start the show out with, as you know, the past 20 months or so has been rough for the entertainment industry.
2: Right, yeah.
0: So, Tell us how COVID affected you and what have you done to maneuver through this craziness?
2: Oh, uh, well, I mean, COVID, as far as it affected Diamond Rio dramatically. Um, so I've been, i and I'm in a somewhat of a calendar fog with COVID. You know, there's like a whole year of my life that has kind of gone away and I'm kind of going, man, I'm not sure what's happening here. You know, So uh, my, cam- so, I mean, that was a dramatic thing for us for sure. Um, and navigating that year, you know um, what we do for a living is we, we gather uh, crowds. And so, I mean, that is exactly what they, the CDC didn't want us to do. And um, so I think, man, I had lots of anxiety. I think we were going into March you know, and COVID had been coming around maybe in, I'd been hearing about it in November or something, December. And uh, we had been working our Christmas show, which is a really intense schedule of dates. Um, And we got done with the Christmas show. And um, then we usually take a full month off. Like we block time off. Had we known that we'd be done for 16 months, we'd have probably worked in January, right? So. So, but but we did our business in such a way that okay, we can continue salaries, we can pay our guys, we can do all yeah. this type of stuff, we can take January off, and but all of a sudden it started looking like wow, what's happening? And honestly, you know, I I mean I'm a believer. I know this is a a pandemic and a virus, yeah. and you know it's cost lots of families, loved ones and stuff like that. But in the very beginning, I was a skeptic, you know, I was like, Oh man, this is, it's a slow news day. The news is, yeah. is hyping this yeah. for about two weeks. I was just so skeptical, but I'm seeing like, you know, more pressure and more stuff coming on. And I, ultimately we all know what happened. It's a yeah. pandemic. It's a big deal. It was a dangerous disease. Yeah. And, um, so, But as I'm looking, we've got about, I think it was about a 10 day run or something in March. And I was like, okay, well, if this all holds together, we can keep salaries going and we can do this. Okay. So I think, you know, COVID's going to come in here and it's going to go like this and and it's going to be done in, you know, three weeks or something, you know, it's going to be like a flu strain or something like that. So I've got anxiety about, you know, if we can just, and a date falls out in that March run. Oh, okay. Well, let's regroup in this. And then there was another date and we had, some of these were fly dates okay well if we re we're, so we're reconfiguring thing and then finally and i was getting more and more anxious and more and more nervous mm-hmm. about this
3: wow.
2: um and then finally it was it was very interesting when all of the dates fell out mm-hmm. i was i was mm-hmm. at peace you know what i mean because there was yes. nothing i could do about it and no. i was just like okay that's what we get so uh in that year we were down and we immediately had a Had a meeting with William Morris, and we were discussing okay, this is really going odd. Are we going to? do the Christmas show this year. We're still thinking we're coming back to work. I thought I was, you know, yeah. man, surely I'm going to be back to work by June. Uh, Christmas, Christmas. And then Christmas is a no brainer. But William Morris was like, well, we don't really know what's going on. So let's not do the Christmas show this year, which means us retooling to do that. And we have to take different gear and it's a completely different thing. We can't really flop back and forth between a Diamond Real Christmas show and a Diamond Real Hits show. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, went through there. I did a lot of writing during, during that part, uh, you know, naturally diamond Real, we were all kind of disbanded and we were all yeah. in our own little islands. And <laughs> uh, I really had very, very, very little contact with any of my partners during oh, that, wow. during oh, that partner that For period, sure. we had one lone date that still was going to play in uh, Deadwood, South Dakota at uh, big Kenny's, thing for big Kenny from big and rich yeah. had, had, a, had, a, had a music hall up there. And, and, and I could not have asked for a better environment at the airport. Everybody was masked up. There were no middle seats. I flew up to Deadwood, mm. the backstage, everybody was masked up the hotel. There was no communal food. We, we ate at a different location. I came back with COVID You know, it's like, I mean, I could not have asked everybody around me was so safe. I was so safe. I came back with COVID and, and it was the first go around and it was a somewhat severe, you know, um, Mm-hmm. For about ten days or so, like that, and uh, so, man, I I worked on playing some guitar and I wrote wow. a lot of stuff. Uh, a friend of mine, Liz Laren, reached out to me to uh, do a scoring library, and we've been writing some cinematic work. You know, just kind of taking a diversion. I had had mm-hmm. the time off from country music, and it's time to do something a little bit different. And it was it wow. was really awesome, really stimulating, and uh, man, I learned some new chops and some new stuff. So it was <laughs> all good.
0: That's yeah, like with us, you know, we launched the show January of 2020 mm-hmm. oh, Okay, a couple of months before, yes. and it was always going to be virtual. So, so that was a plus. Right. Mm-hmm. And
3: it um,
2: seemed it, Chris, is it not true? People were available for the interviews though, right? <laughs> that
0: that, that, that yeah. was the thing, you know, the our original, our that. original plan was maybe a hundred interviews our first mm-hmm. year and then COVID happens. And then I told Sandy, I was like, you know, people who normally would not be available to us would probably be available to us. So we just reached out to everybody. Everybody we, was you know, available.
2: Everybody. And yeah. We did
0: over 300 interviews our first year, and we're over 500 now.
2: Wow. That's great. Congratulations. You so know, something good has come guys. out of this. Yeah, that's awesome.
0: And, and that's one thing I always like to ask the people first on the show, because, again, COVID's hit, affected people in different ways.
3: Yes. And I always
0: like people yes. to see the different ways. Because, again, for yeah, some people, world, COVID was a great thing for their career. And for other people, it was the worst thing ever because they, you know, again. So it's, it's, you know, and I always like to make sure we point out all sides of it because I think that everybody can learn from everybody.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, you know what? Um, the time off was nice because we've been, we've, I've been hit, been hitting it hard with with my wow. partners for the last thirty six years or longer. Wow. And. Um, so just simply having that much time off was a nice, it really wow. was a nice break. You know, however, <laughs> um, I would have loved to know the expiration date. On that <laughs> yeah. Because without the expiration date, I'm still going, Ooh, you know, I'm still, you know, having a little insomnia and stuff and wondering what's happening. Turns out every, everything was fine everybody yeah. was fine the business survives and you know we go on but uh man what a shaky thing and now we're into a, you know yet another strain and it looks like um
0: it's about over now looks like looks, looks like. like looking
2: well, better yeah well, oh, and and what did show up in the omicron is mm-hmm. so much less severe and I, I don't want to diminish anybody that's and been sick that's, that's had it but but it's i've seen people like that had worse but cold. if you
0: stu- if you study pandemics, that's how it usually goes. You have it rough, 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 and then eventually you get to the point to where it's less deadly.
2: Right, right. And I think that we definitely
0: this is the end. It, you know? it
2: it feels like it feels like we're in it, for sure that stage of less deadly. Um, and by the way, I did not study pandemics. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, when this all first started, Sandy yeah, kind of got out the research, research and now, says, well, research "Well, let's research what." And so she researched happens. like the pandemic of 1918.
1: And oh, that okay. Was
0: about two and a half years.
2: Total, Gee whiz! Holy Yeah.
0: <laughs> and we're like right so on the money with it.
2: Getting mm-hmm. to that point now. this. Well, <laughs> so Done. let's
0: go back some. Um, you know, a lot of people would ask, when did you know you wanted to do music? But I always like to go deeper than that. When did this click for you that this could be a career move?
2: Um, hmm. That's well, it's interesting. You know, I've been working since I was 12. Um, I was I grew up as a bluegrass banjo player and I started teaching at a little hippy dippy music store up in the Detroit area. Um, so I don't know. it. And I and I taught a lot of lessons as a kid (laughs) because because uh, right around that time is when uh, Deliverance came out and dueling banjos was a hit at the time. And everybody wanted to learn to play the banjo. Um, So it's you know, I don't I don't know because I don't know that I necessarily had the epiphany of, okay I want to do this for a living. I went from teaching and playing music. Uh, up around the Detroit area. And then I moved to Nashville when I was just before I turned 18, I was 17. Wow. And I came down here and I went to Belmont College and I went into the music business program. So I definitely were was looking for a career in the music industry. Um, I thought I might be doing something a little bit different than what I'm doing. Um, I, You know, I'd come to be a musician, not necessarily a music business guy, mm-hmm. um, but, you know,
3: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: uh, you know, just more of a All focused on on uh, guitar and stuff like that. Of course, now when you're a small business owner like we are, you know it's nice to have a business background and it's nice to you know know a little bit more well-rounded. Once we started our record deal, it's I would it was nice to know something about publishing. It was nice to know (laughs) something about artist management. It was nice to know something about record labels. It was because they can really
0: shoot you if you're not careful.
2: Yeah. And just us kind of, you know, me kind of knowing what's happening in the business as opposed to my head just stuck in a fretboard, you know, music, 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 music. So, um, but when I, when I moved to Nashville, I really thought I wanted to be a session guitar player and I wanted to play hits for other, other people and be a journeyman, journeyman guitar player. And um, as it turned out, I didn't kind I, I kind of, I didn't really like it and the reason that i didn't like it was it was so anonymous and when i would go when i would go to do a session i would show up and i would be the guitar player in a band that just formed for that Mm -hmm. recording and you know uh you know uh session teams and stuff like that they will they will grow into a click and guys will use the same people over and over and then it will be then you'll be playing with your friends i was like man i want to make music with my friends and i would like to actually play like myself and try to come up with an identity for a band and an identity you know kind of a handle for what i sound like where it can be recognizable Um, and that's not what that is it's a much more anonymous much more you know journeyman chameleon approach to music and there were a lot of guys that were way better at that than i was and i was kind of a little bit better at being an individual stylist. So I had this thing that for a band and for a record deal was good, but not for, you know, playing on this person's record and that person's record and this, mm-hmm. because then it all of a sudden starts to be sounding like me everywhere, <laughs> as opposed to the artists that we're playing with. So <laughs> I
3: think,
2: I think it, I think the natural progression of what happened is the way it was going to work that way anyway.
0: So how did you get introduced to Diamond Rio? How did that happen?
2: Okay, well, I don't know if you guys remember the theme park in Nashville, Opryland. Oh, uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the Tennessee River Boys had a gig out at Opryland. um, And I knew some of those guys because when I was in Belmont at Belmont, I had played in the park in a in a show a kind of an imitation show called country music USA, where they have, you know, 16 singers, dancers, and they got Velcro costumes. They're uh, changing in the back and coming out as different country artists and singing a Hank senior song and singing a Patsy Klein song and singing, okay. you know, Oak Ridge boys or whatever. So I played that. And um, so I kind of had a network of some of these people and word of mouth, the, the Tennessee river boys were looking for a guitar player and I'd already done an artist gig. I, I toured, mm-hmm. toured a couple mm-hmm. of years with, with Mel McDaniel and, and it played on some other stuff and had done some cool records and stuff like that. And let me tell you at the time, the Tennessee river boys is like five years after I'd gone from Opryland. I was like, Oh, that's so cheesy. That's so <laughs> me. I go to Opryland. I'm not going to do that. You know, and Opryland was, was, it was a great theme park, but you know, mm-hmm. As a musician, it's a very unique experience because they had my uniform that they laundered and gave me, you know, in triplicate out there. Yeah. And it was, it's the only job. And it, I, I was doing it as a guitar player that I had an actual, this back in the way back machine, you actually had, had to find my time card, go over and punch in and yeah. then put it back. And then when I was done, go over and punch it so they knew what my hours were. Cause, you know, yeah. I'm a guitar player, not getting paid by the gig, but getting paid by the hour. And I was like, man, this is just an odd thing. So anyway, they they were looking for a guitar player. And the steel player that I had played Country Music USA with five years before said, hey, man, uh, we're looking for a guitar player. And I was between gigs and I was like, yeah, this will be a nice little cushy thing. I'll go out and play the park for six months and then I'm out of here Well, I'm still here. Thirty six years later. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, and I got introduced to those guys and it was. And, and, you know, I it was it was humbling for me to kind of get over whatever kind of uh negativity I was projecting on, on my mm-hmm. partners when they were the Tennessee River boys, because, <laughs> because they, were, they were it was a really good band, you know, and they were really good singers and they yeah. were cool and they were doing all that stuff. I was just, you know, I don't know, ego or whatever it was. Narcissism just had me where that just wasn't going to go. But once I got the gig and I started actually writing with these guys and we were making original material, all of a sudden the things that didn't work for me as a session guitar player,
3: mm-hmm.
2: having identity and having uh, a unique approach to music, it was perfect for a sing- oh, for a more of a singular unit. And, mm-hmm. um, And the guys that I work with have been very generous and just let me kind of go and do what I do, you know, and have there was there were no course corrections along the way. And (laughs) and but I think I think it's interesting that uh, uh, our co-producer, Mike Clute, has told me, he says, you know, it's interesting when we make records because we'll go in and we'll track as a band and we'll uh, do the basic tracks. And then when it comes time to overdub, you know, we need to. You know, Dan needs to put an organ on here. We need to do vocals. I need to do because I played all the guitars and everything. Marty just sang scratch on on the tracking dates. So I'll make track with electric. I might track with acoustic and I'll have to overdub all the other stuff. And uh, Mike said, he says, it's so interesting. I work with all you guys collectively and then individually and nobody, because there's six of us, nobody ever corrected any of the other guys nobody said hey could you do this could you do this and it was nothing that was spoken it was nothing it was each just
0: person let each person be their self
2: and absolutely and I, I i think it surprised him and when he told me that it surprised me i was like you mean nobody's saying mm-hmm. can't he sing a different part or maybe jimmy could use a different guitar or something you know and yeah. and and i think that 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 just somewhat testimony that that we actually do like what each other does in the band and the wow. roles that we have, no. you know, and I think that that's, um, says something to why we've been together for this long as well. <clears throat>
0: You know, a lot of people, they see the glory in what you do, but they don't see the grind, the sacrifice, the tears, the struggles that it takes to get to the top and even stay on top. And I always want to talk about that side of it, because as you know, a lot of people, they kind of gloss over this side and they're like, you know, well, if you got the talent, you'll make it. We both know that's not true. No. (laughs) Um, So tell us a little bit about the sacrifices and struggles y'all had to go through before you got to the top.
2: Oh, well, yeah. yeah well it it was interesting i noticed that uh i noticed the more popular we got the more often i was walking past a dumpster because now you're coming in the back of the building and you're coming through the kitchen or you're coming through here and it's like you know the more notoriety and fame that we got kind of some of the, the the circumstances were worse You know, just, well, well, you know, we had our first, our first single went to number one. So, and nobody's, I'm sorry, nobody is prepared to go from, (laughs) you know, just completely anonymity to, hey, all of a sudden, you know, you haven't changed any, but your perceived jokes are funny, and you're cuter and <laughs> all that stuff. You know, all of a sudden you're cool where, wow, yesterday I wasn't cool. Now, I'm not cool. <laughs> you know, uh, but with that. And so with that stuff is attention, people wanting to get time and stuff like that. So uh, security and just the way that stuff happens where I'm just finding myself literally walking by dumpsters all the time, going into gigs and just, you know. It's definitely not that glamorous for that. And plus, you know, we've got uh, so my kids, I'm an older parent
3: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, at 60 right now. My oldest is 19. But uh, most of my partners were that have kids were having kids during that time. And uh, when we started touring hard, guys had babies and, you know, we were doing. Oh, I don't know how many 150 shows a year, which is possibly 250 days on the road. You know, wow. there are whole development periods of a kid's life that they were missing mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. that point. And it was, a, and I, you know, it's heartbreaking, but also, you know, for us to, um, achieved what we achieved and been given the opportunities that we have, you know, that is like winning the lottery. I think, you know, like you, you, you'd mentioned about, it's not really necessarily always about talent, talent and and hard work and stuff like that is a part of the equation, but man, uh, I didn't have a full on imposter complex in the beginning, but mm-hmm. I was playing on other records with people that I know that are way more popular talented than anybody I work with and myself. I mean, you know, so there's, so there's an artist and I'm not sure if, if, sure if you're familiar with him, uh, Marcus Human. Mm-hmm. but Marcus, um, he was in the development deal uh, roster and stable with Diamond Rio as we were developing, we hadn't been signed and I was playing on Marcus's stuff and I was like, man, who is this guy? He's incredible, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And um, like way better than we were. Right. And hit cooler and all the stuff. <laughs> yeah. And and our we got the deal. Marcus didn't get signed. He went over and he had a, a deal on CBS and it didn't happen for him over there at CBS. Now, since then, he's been an unbelievably prolific songwriter and right and a playwright. And he's, you know, got an off Broadway thing going on right now. He's had several uh, performances at Pac of some of his uh, theatrical works and stuff like that. And just written some of the big hits, usually for girls, lots of girls songs that Marcus wrote um, that I've ever seen. And it's just like, Oh man. So it doesn't happen for everybody. And it's not about the talent, you know, it's about the, uh, you know, the, the holes and the squares and Oh, here's a, here's a, Here's a round peg and here's a round hole. That's diamond Rio real over here. That one didn't work. It's a good one, but it didn't work. So,
0: And, and you know, a lot of people, you know, I've, you know, we've interviewed a lot of people on this show who are very successful, whether they're acting or um, an artist. And one thing one thing I've learned is almost everyone says, look, there is a form of luck involved, but you will never get to the luck if you don't have that work ethic.
2: Yeah. I mean, you have to be prepared for the opportunity
0: Mm -hmm. and,
2: and we were prepared enough for the opportunity. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I mean, I mean, I don't, we were not fully prepared. Yeah. Uh, We had not recorded our first record yet. And, um, do you guys play and record at all? Do anything musically?
0: No, we write lyrics, but that's it. lyrics. Okay. Have
2: have you sung in the studio? No, no. OK. OK. you so, don't
0: want us to. Okay.
2: Well, but but for instance, uh, yeah. singing, singing in the studio, technically, you know, you get this great singer. Right.
3: Uh-huh. And yeah. they're
2: singing in a in a non virtual in an actual acoustic environment, you know, and they're they're singing and they sound great. Well, you get them in the studio. Here's this great singer. Well, you put headphones on them.
3: Mm-hmm. They're
2: all of a sudden they're not hearing themselves from their ears. They're not hearing the right. room they're not right. hearing anything and things become very immediate and very quick right wow. and it is you've got a great singer and they don't always do well with that and there's a okay. learning curve that happens and what am i doing am i turning my mix down am i taking taking an ear off do i have to have somebody give me a shotgun speaker and no headphones <laughs> and so and i've heard all these crazy things and uh man do i double the acoustic guitar part here, you know, do I do man I've got all the I can really play but I I hadn't but we didn't have the um we'd done some demos and stuff like that but we you know there was some some chops we needed to learn and we learned on that first record um and I'm really proud of how the first record turned out mm-hmm. um, but there was there was quite a bit of time uh this is you know it's interesting because as long as uh, long ago we've done this, this is before Pro Tools, it's before hard disk recording, oh, wow. and it's before Auto Tune. And the vocals from the first record are every bit as in tune as the bo- vocals that happened after Auto Tune. Wow. You know, we, we tune our vocals, everybody tunes your vocals. It's very rarely that I'll hear a vocal on the radio that's not tuned. I heard a Carly Pierce song the other day, and it was great, but I could just tell. It wasn't yeah, tuned, you yeah, know. Right. Um, it, it didn't need to be, but but there was a there was a thing to it that I went, oh my gosh, they let this thing out without being tuned. It sounds great. This is awesome, <laughs> oh you God. know. Wow. Well, um, so and what happens in that situation? For instance, uh, we're cutting at the Fife Side Building over there, and Dana, our baritone singer, um,
3: yeah,
2: he's great. He's a great singer. But this is his first time actually being in the studio doing that. And oh, okay. with and so the vocals need to be, there's two parameters. They need to be tight. They need to be locked together and they need to be in tune. Okay. and d- Provided you've got a great singer and his voice is good and all that stuff. They can do the stuff. So um, getting in there and just having that stuff nuts on where it's really, really tight. And oh, maybe it was a little pitchy here. Do it again do it again, do mm-hmm. it again, he, I mean, where he was like, kind of going, I can remember him being I, out of time, out of tune. I don't know. I can't hear it. it sure sounds like I nailed it. And, and, yeah. and, and this was to the point where um, Mike Clute, our, our co-producer in the big room of the fly side building down there used to be midtown tone, tone and volume. Um, he put a basketball goal up for him because that was Dana liked to shoot hoops. And there was a time where frustration would happen. Okay, because yeah. we weren't seasoned musicians and stuff, and it was mm-hmm. time to take a break. We're just absolutely hammering this guy. Shoot a few hoops, go back in there, nail it, yeah. you know. Um, and uh, yeah, it's 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 been an interesting ride. And then when auto-tune came came by, it was so interesting because
3: uh-uh.
2: it took the same amount of time to produce the vocals, it's just fewer people were doing the time, you oh, know wow. what I mean? So, so you have a, you have, you, you'd have a before auto tune, you'd have a singer that may be spending much more time getting the part right. After autotune, you've got a singer singing his part, doing a good job. And then you've got an engineer and a producer that's spending about the same amount of time that it would have taken to record the vocal correctly to get it correct. So okay. it's a, it's just a different thing, you know, and, and man, I'm, I'm so glad that that technology came around because you know, at yeah, some point technology it's all, change because because well I mean listen to our first record listen to our most recent record vocals sound the same mm-hmm. but we all got to go home you know like <laughs> at night and have dinner with the families mm-hmm. you know and yeah. I think that that's a that they don't sound any different you know I mean. Yeah. It, the sausage was made a different way and it came out tasting good. So, you know.
0: <laughs> so um, Antoine asks, you know, he's got, you know, he's always wanted to play guitar. Any tips to learn to play?
2: Wow. Any tips to learn to play? Um, yeah. Okay. So I, I I taught for a long time and um, I think however, you whatever you're if you're learning off of youtube or if you have an instructor or anything like that that you find out what your available time is and that you make sure that you have that available time and that's on a daily basis you don't practice two days a week Uh, if you only have let's say i've got i've got three hours to practice Mm -hmm. this week Mm -hmm. you know you don't do one session of three hours you break that up to where you're playing some every day And when you go into those sessions and you're playing stuff, you go, okay, what do I do well? And I refer to those as my friends. If they're licks, they're songs, their intros, whatever, those are my friends that are super gratifying because they sound good when I play them, right? And what's the stuff that I don't do well? (laughs) Well, so you go, okay, on a today, you know, I have I'm I've got 30 minutes to practice. So you go, okay, I'm gonna be with no distractions. For 30 minutes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn my phone off and in that 30 minutes, I'm going to force myself to start playing the stuff I don't do well. And I'm going to do that for 25 minutes and I'm going to play my old friends and gratify myself for the last yeah. five minutes. And when you do that, students, I find when they get into the stuff they like to play, they've played an hour. They've gone for 30 <laughs> minutes. They practiced for 25. Now they've played for an hour and they were gratified and they actually spent time that they should have been on the on the hard stuff in the beginning when they're fresh. Mm-hmm. I think anyway, that would be my recommendation about how to approach yep. learning. Now, teacher, YouTube, there's all kinds of different options for that.
3: Love
0: yes. that. Yeah, you know, As you know, a lot of people, they see you, but they don't see the teams behind you. In our opinion, the teams never get the love they no, deserve. From our show, they get some love. So, take a few moments just to tell us about the team that helps you be who you are.
2: Oh, well, you know, man. Okay. So, <clears throat> my secret to my success is I've surrounded myself with uh, smart and powerful women and just pretty much do what they say, right? <laughs> you know. It's, It's my, it's my wife. It's Renee Beerman in our office. It was Anita Hogan and it just in, in everything. And so artists won't always have the perception of what's going on. I mean, I mean, there's a reason that those people are in the positions that they're, they're in because, you know, they have those skill sets for mm-hmm. uh, detailed organizing and for seeing maybe stuff that's maybe of a broader scope you know yeah. that um, I'm pretty much focused in on what I'm doing right now what's musical what's going on well um, the things that I'm working on I I love and they're precious while I'm working on them and sometimes after they're done and they're so precious, but it's great to have a team that is not invested in what you just did they they yeah. love you as an artist right I'm not saying they're not invested that was wrong but they don't, <laughs> they, don't they don't have that same type of creation and that same type mm-hmm. of emotional response that you they're created this it's so it's it's so special so it's so great to have objective opinions on you know mm-hmm. man here's the best thing I've ever done and they go yeah all right uh. Oh, well, I, we like this over here, you know, because, because uh I've lost my objectivity. Uh, yeah. yeah. And it's
0: your baby. Yeah. It's
2: your That's baby. right. And, and, and I love all my babies and all my, not all my babies are beautiful. There's some other babies in there. So, um and it's, yeah. And, and, you know, so, and what surrounds Diamond Rio, you know, we've got William Morris Agency and we've had, um agents that have been just absolutely amazing and done great work for us and you know they're fighting the hard fight and they're saying the nasty things that we don't want to be caught saying you know no i want this much and i'm not coming unless you don't pay baby you know what i mean so so we've got that and we've you know had have publicists that will you know whatever drivel i may say make it the best appear the best sounding drivel that there ever was.
0: Publicists are great for, for y'all too, because again, you know, you get pitched all the time. The publicists can be the mean guy for you. Yep. They can be the
3: bad guy.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, (laughs) You know, I, I try really, really hard not to hide behind my people, you know, Ah. because it's, because it is. And, and you know what? I have been guilty of developing a, entitlement and a false wow. sense of entitlement that i should not have right and exactly yeah. And and i've moved past that and I, I remember i remember early on you know kind of reading you know, believing my own press and just, I was, you know, just, I mean, that happens, you know, I'm sorry. Yeah. just mm-hmm. and, and it happened and I survived that, you know, and uh, kind of went back to, oh yeah, <laughs> I'm not that guy. I'm actually Jimmy Olander. I'm not the cool guy that, you know, <laughs> you see on an award show right you know that's yeah. that's almost like a persona or or something like that so um yeah it's good to have have people around to, yeah
0: we love the PR keep it. they keep us busy
2: yeah uh, yeah but, and P, P, PR you know you got publishers you got and then you got your road crew and mm-hmm. I'm out with with the road crew is just absolutely amazing our crew we've had these guys for a long time and they are, they are second nature with us. They know exactly what to do and make it look effortless. And it's not effortless, you know, and uh, while we couldn't do it without them for sure. Uh, Mm -hmm. Office staff management, all that stuff, record labels, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. and sometimes that's a, now with some of these, some of these situations. Okay. So Mm -hmm. I told, told you about, you know, whether you're, whether an artist is getting narcissistic or, or self-entitled or something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And well, that also happens in other parts of the business, you know, with people that we work with that are, (laughs) whether whether it's in publishing or the label or publishers or whatever, you know, it's just human nature, you know? Yeah. And, and we will do well for them as well as they're, when they don't understand, you know, that.
0: Because executives make bad. I remember we had an executive on the show um, um a while back, a couple but when we first launched. Yeah,
1: the first And, year and I of the one show. of the questions
0: I asked him was, what's a big regret of his as an executive of a mm-hmm. big label? Right. And he said he and I'll never forget, he said that he says, I'm the guy who said Jason Aldean and um Kenny Chesney would never make it.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and, and uh, he said I okay. turned that down. Okay, he like, okay.
2: Here, here's here, Well, here's my here's what I believe. Uh-huh. They wouldn't have made it with him.
0: That's, that uh, could that's be true. true.
2: Yeah. They there, no way. He didn't believe in him. He didn't believe in them. He didn't believe in them. And somebody did believe in those yeah. guys, and and huge, you know, and uh-huh. and I think that that's that that has to be a you know you can kind of make make uh make a tie to to us, you know, we had other band members with us. Yeah, We had a different lead singer. We had uh, a steel player at one time. We had a different, different bass player, you know, our lead, current lead singer just sang, played mandolin and sang harmony, you know? And so, and you know what we would have, I don't believe we would have made it in any of those configurations, but it was the six of us that did that. And we're now just now, um, are the the first of us is has just retired and we just went out and did the first weekend without our drummer and oh, wow. and uh man How'd that feel well we uh the the micah swine swinesburg is the the current drummer now and uh he's incredible mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it's different it's yeah, different. yeah. Brian, brian prout who has been i've been playing with for the last 36 years was a really, really, really special player. And there's a, you know, and he's a part of the reason that we were successful. You know, Mm -hmm. he was one of the ingredients that made Diamond Reel sound like what it is. And as a musician playing with this guy, so consistent every night, he even, we even went through a period where he had to get off the road from carpal tunnel. He had a carpal tunnel. And even before, I can't, I can't believe uh how well he did this hit carpal tunnel and his hands were going numb. he was dropping sticks it looked like a yard sale back there behind <laughs> oh the drums God. Oh my God. he yeah. still played wow. he could he I never I just see sticks like the carnage of sticks <laughs> flying, and I never knew he was dropping them you know because <laughs> mm-hmm. I couldn't feel it I couldn't hear anything different man mm-hmm. he drop a stick go flying grab another one playing you know it was just that's how wow. good that's how good this guy was
0: that's definitely special. I think and you know, cool. speaking of teams, we have a third co-host, our little 10 year old that we always have come on, ask a couple questions yeah. yeah. So Sandy's going to get him. We got a almost three year old that when she gets older, she'll be plugged into the show because we are a family affair show.
2: Okay. <laughs> All right.
0: So while she's getting him, tell us what's next for y'all.
2: Well, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not that complicated for us. Um, in that, just coming out of the pandemic, you know, we're just trying to normalize somehow. So, the the end of last year, most of the dates from, from that were uh, we didn't play for, mm-hmm. for COVID, they were not canceled, they were postponed. And some of these yeah. were rescheduled two and three times. So, when we actually went back to work uh, this past year, we were working like we were 20 year olds again because oh, wow. I mean, our August was catch up. Well, we were we were uh, doing dates that had been rescheduled and new dates had come in as well. And so we went from absolutely not working at all to the faucet is on completely full. And so um, I'm looking forward to this year for that somewhat to normalize a little bit. Um, And (laughs) we've yeah, yeah, just just just, uh, you know. We don't need to be away from our families all that long and stuff yeah. so I sense an edgy con an edgy question coming up right now am i right <laughs> <laughs> no? what it's you got cute. man
1: hi jim Olander. so what's the favorite food
2: my favorite food is chicken
0: chicken
2: Ooh. chicken baby what's yours
1: mine is pizza
2: pizza and what kind of pizza
1: uh, pepperoni, sauce, and supreme, and uh, and pineapple. He's
0: got okay.
2: four faves. What a, What about your crust? Are you thick? Are you thin? Are you hand tossed?
0: Uh, he's. I don't know if he's done every different one, just regular. Just
2: okay. Regular. Okay. All right. All right. My he's boys.
0: Pizza. <laughs> my boy.
2: My boys love pizza, and they like that hand toss. It's 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 the. It's the nowhere land of crust, you know, it's like, it's not, I like, I like a thick crust. I like jets, you know, for a thick crust. And I like a thin, like the California, but man, give me that hand toss. And I'm just like, Oh man, it's like a piece of bread or something.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So what's for a TV show?
2: what is my favorite tv show well okay so as a family we watch mtv's ridiculousness you know i don't know if you know that show but it's a i
1: i I know that show i've watched it it a few times okay and
2: and we watch it because my wife uh claudia is has this great laugh and she laughs really easy and she gets to wheezing and gasping for air when we watch ridiculous. She's half of the show. You know, it's like she almost needs to get her inhaler out there and pop, pop, pop as we're watching that. thing. Anyway, it's hilarious.
0: You know, I got to bring up a story that happened to him. Our very first time going to Nashville last year, last April, and we were walking almost to Broadway. We got in front of Hockey Talk Central. Okay. And, and the drummer there seen him and gave a drumstick to somebody to give to him. we don't know why, but we loved it. So he was like, oh, this is great. But we didn't know what was about to happen next. So we crossed the street and we're listening to um, whoever was playing in um, Dirk Bentley Row at the time. Okay. And the person on stage, or the lady, uh, they were about to sing the song Summer of 69. And she looks down. She sees him with a drumstick jumps down and asks him when he'd like to play drums with them for the for one song and he said of course so yeah. she pulls him through the window there puts him on the thing and he gets to play summer of 69 hit the drums with them yeah.
2: oh man how I was how was that was that the best Yes, it was. Yeah, that's after, cool. you know we're
0: planning on moving to Nashville, but after that, he was like, no other city. We got to be in Nashville,
2: man. It's a good choice. It's a good choice. People are <laughs> yeah. moving here by the droves. Uh, yeah. And what a cool, what a cool wow. kind of kind of rock tune to play too. What's that? Brian Adams. That was one of my favorites. I I quoted that song yesterday. <laughs> oh wow! Because wow. i uh, so it, we did a uh, we participated in a charity project where I'm sure maybe you've seen in Chicago where they had all the big fiberglass bowls all around town mm-hmm. that were painted and different themes. Well, in Nashville, there was a charity project that Gibson did. Um, actually, I can't, it's been a long time. I can't remember what charity it was benefiting. Um, but they had all these big less fiberglass Les Pauls, and they were all, over, all all over town. And they combined a music artist with a painter and the painter would paint it and you'd come up with the concept and that was my painter was brian adams of all people (laughs) number
3: 69 yeah
1: oh okay so what's the favorite movie
2: my favorite movie ah you know what um i think i like the american president
0: that's a That's a good one
2: yeah there's a there's a there's a couple of and man, they're soft. Man, I must be a softie. They're, they're, they're both kind of romantic comedy things. I loved The American President. I love Love Actually as well. <laughs> yeah.
0: Because what's yours?
1: Mine is Minions movie.
2: Is it The Minions? Oh, man. Yes. Yeah. And what
0: was your favorite TV show? Oh, uh, SpongeBob.
2: SpongeBob. Yeah. Yeah. So, Sponge, I'm a cartoon guy, but SpongeBob's a little bit past my time.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, bye,
1: thanks. Bye. <laughs>
0: yeah, he lo- he's been on almost every episode. That oh, that's had.
2: great. That's great.
0: To, you know, so we love to get him on. And like I said, we're a family affairs show we try to keep it in the yeah. family. And and when our almost three year old, which I'll be able to say three years after the twenty-seventh of this month, she'll be three. Awesome. like a burr eventually in the
1: month. show.
2: That's yeah. that'll be fantastic. That's good. That's a nice touch, guys. That's really good.
1: <laughs> so what is your personal favorite Diamond Rio song?
2: Oh, you know, I don't know. Um, I think collectively the band would say Kentucky Mine. It wasn't a single, but it was oh. an album cut. Um, that's, an, that's an interesting one. Of the hits that, that, that people would know, I would say it would be Meet in the Middle. It was the first one uh, yeah, for us.
1: A great one.
2: It was it was the first one for us, and um, and during that when we play Meet in the Middle at night, I kind of have a freeform solo that I do on the guitar at the, in the, on the outro, that's just like the yeah. band stops playing and I just play some guitar and stuff. And it's fun. And I try to do something a little bit different every night. And so there's several different reasons that I really, really like what that one, but you know, man, we've been blessed with so much, so much success and so many great songs and stuff like that. Um, yeah. One, I would say one more day would probably be our most most significant song. Just Right. From yes. discussions powerful. Well, just from discussions with um you know, people at Meet and Greet and people when when that was a hit, mm-hmm. I was actually unprepared to uh receive how important that was to people's personal life, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, we, mm-hmm. you kind of dream about, Oh, I would like to touch peace people with my music, but you know, that, that's probably pie in the sky. And, you know, mm-hmm. you know, in my say, shouldn't you just be thinking about guitar licks, you know, but, but that's like the big thing. Wouldn't that be great? Well, when it actually happens, it's humbling
3: because, mm-hmm.
2: you know, uh, it, it, that song could be, could be interpreted as a love story or, yep. it, It's, it's, but it's usually uh, the love for a loss, you know, it's a, and, um, and that was a, that was a really interesting thing to walk through because as significant as that song, if, if you go back to the recording process, when we're putting an album together, we don't go, okay, we've got one more day. Let's just cut nine other songs, whatever these are. One more day was one of the songs that we cut. Yeah. It became significant and it became uh, impactual uh, to our audience. But, you know, we had no idea. Cutting that was just, oh, yeah, that's a good one. How about this one? I like this one, too. How about this one over here? I just, I think this
0: <laughs> so, so what up. did you think about Scotty yeah. McCurry um, kind of coming behind y'all with five more minutes?
2: Uh you know what you're I'm at a loss I don't even know any Scotty McCreary stuff so <laughs> so and what is, what is five more minutes that's one of his songs I guess yeah, basically
0: yeah. the same concept yeah okay pretty much I wish same I had concept. five more
2: minutes oh okay yeah, yeah 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 my brother as a matter of fact uh my brother just went and saw Scotty McCreary this past weekend and the oh, wow. Somewhere oh, wow. up wow. in the Detroit area said it was a great yeah. show really really loved it yeah
1: awesome and what would you like for your legacy to be in the music industry? What would you like to be most known? My
2: legacy? The- Am I done? Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> it happened now,
1: huh? Oh. Hey, hey, we asked
0: fifteen-year-olds the same question. Yeah, okay. that, yeah, <laughs> yeah
1: we asked the nine-year-old question. that question. Yeah. So everybody gets the
2: question. I don't know. You know, I if 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 I think of I don't really think of. Are you thinking of of Diamond Rio? You're thinking about me
1: you can answer for either both
2: uh you know i think uh as far as far as collectively our legacy you know that uh you know we i think that we did good business and we treated people well i think that that's that's what i would like to be known for i mean the hits and the wow. statistics are out there i don't have to really wow. want for a lot of that yeah. type of stuff uh and as far as myself man i'm not too hung up about any of that type of stuff. I think um, I've already been complimented so much more than I would would ever think that I would have been. You know that I've already received. If you go, well, I would like for people to really respect me and stuff. Man, people have gushed on me, and I, I, you know, I've already received that stuff. So um, I don't really have a legacy answer for myself other than the fact that i'm not done you know right. I, mean, <laughs> I i you know so to quote our mandolin player you know we were at one point talking about retirement and talking about not that we were retiring but we we're kind of because yeah. this has been about 15 or more years ago we we're a like, what are you thinking what are you thinking and gene was like we think gene you think you're going to retire from this oh, he says wow. he, mm-hmm. he says well he says you know honestly I don't think it's something from you retire from. I think it's something you die from. And I was like, <laughs>
3: wow. I
2: think that's how I feel as well. You know, yeah. i okay. So, so I love playing guitar. I love playing banjo. I love writing. I love creating. I like recording. I like playing live shows, but just uh, it's not as much about the performance as it is about me playing music and learning music. Um, When learning how to use a new technique, learning what a new harmonic structure is and stuff like that. I mean, I'm still studying. And so um, I don't I don't see that uh, that interest going away. I'm more interested now than I was when, you know, maybe my fingers were a little bit more nimble, you know, Uh, So, uh, but as a wiser old guy, I don't sound worse. You know, I just know that I don't need to do the the crazy, you know, you know, think I'm getting paid by the note. So, <laughs> yeah.
1: and if you could say anything to the fans and followers of Diamond Rio, what would you want to tell them?
2: Thank you. They've been just amazing. You know, we've had some of the same people showing up, um, and they continue to show up and we've actually become friends with some of our fans, you know, not, not, not the entire portion of fans, but there are some people, man, they're there all the time and they're great people. And, Mm -hmm. and it's interesting. They continue, you know, we have foregone any type of personal contact and meet and greet one-on-one touch in the flesh, which, which we've done our entire career. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. since the pandemic, we're not doing that they're still showing up, you know, the, the people that we actually know well, and would be at our meet and greets. Um, and I think uh, we've been so supported by our by our fan base. it's It's been incredible.
0: <clears throat> so as we come to a close here, what advice would you give someone who wants to do what you do?
2: Well, uh, so if they want to do uh, what I do, so I'll, I'll answer that if you want to be a an an artist in Nashville. And you know what, maybe, maybe some of this is antiquated thinking, but I think in general, you need to move to Nashville. You want to be a country music artist. This is headquarters for country music. And um, because I've, I've seen and talked to, to intensely talented people around the country and they're like, well, you know, I thought I would, and here's a, here's another thought. Maybe, maybe that's even, even better advice. I would, I would check the motivation of what you want to do. Do you want to make music or do you want to be popular? Do you want to yeah. be a star or do you want to be a musician? These are, they, they're not exclusive, but they can be.
0: Yeah, and, yeah.
2: Um, There's a lot of, there can be a lot of rejection and you know, there's can be stuff that, you know, after you've been doing it a little while, you get a thick skin because, man, it's not always rosy. And if you have that, oh, this is what I do, as opposed to I'm giving myself parameters for I'm going to move to Nashville. I'm going to give myself three years, wow. surely in three years. Right? <laughs> and, and they and call I, it a
0: 10 year city.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But, but 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 my point is, I never had an exit plan. I mean, this is what I do. There wasn't, you know, who you are. Yeah. And I would be doing this as a hobbyist Mm -hmm. if I wasn't making a living at this. I mean, I really love to learn. I really love to play. Um, and, and if you, if you have that, that you would just do this anyway, you're in great shape. Mm -hmm. But if you want to make a lot of money, there's a lot more lucrative things that don't have quite the amount of, uh,
0: Yep, exactly. judgment
2: of your, <laughs> your creativity and who you are, you know, it's, mm-hmm. you know, you can make a lot of money doing this sort of widget over here or this sort of widget over there. But man, if you want to make music and you want to make country music, you got to come to Nashville.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I'm going to end with this question. When you look back at, you know, and y'all was at the top. What did you learn most when you were at the top about you?
2: OK, well, um, here's something that 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 I learned about me um, when we won our first uh, country music award.
3: Oh,
2: yeah. uh, I learned that I was a cliche be-
3: <laughs>
2: because it was about the journey. And, you know, that's so cliche. Oh, you know, you won the award. Oh, it's all about the journey. Well. Okay, so we win our first ACM and I've got this trophy and it looks like, you know, man, if it was shot in black and white, it would be this great moody bad movie, you know, where I've got my country music tuxedo where it's the top half of a tuxedo (laughs) and blue jeans. And I'm in my hotel room and I'm looking at this award and I'm go, and I'm I'm a little bit depressed. I won the award. I didn't lose the award. I won the category. And I was a little bit depressed because there was closure on a period. Of music and a project that we had done. And mm. and I I learned that, oh my gosh, this is actually about the work. And it like, you know, it's actually about making the record and it's actually about playing the songs and stuff like that. But um the validation was nice, you know. I kept yeah. the trophy by the way, it's here. <laughs> I didn't give it back. Um, but the validation was nice, but that wasn't what was important to me. What was important was doing the work. And, and, and it took me several awards, winning several awards to kind of lighten up a little bit. I can I can remember some office staff. Oh, you won your way. Oh yeah. We don't (laughs) want to hang with you. Hey, (laughs) (laughs) there's six of us. And they go, yeah, Jimmy's a bummer when they win.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love that. So um, as we come to close here, any final moments that you want to talk, say anything about,
2: oh man i just hope everybody's healthy and has a great year and comes out and sees us we're going to be out there i'm i'm flying out early in the morning out west and we're going to go go put on our country music uniforms and render render some some music
0: love that you know we really enjoyed having you on the show today we We definitely look forward to having you back
2: All right. Thanks, guys. appreciate it. And I will be on time and technologically savvy next time. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You have a
3: great day. Thanks so much for your time today. Bye.